and welcome to the Credit Union Overtime Podcast, produced and presented by the Credit Union Webinar Network, powered by FinEd. Today, we speak with Barry Thompson, CRCM, about his recent webinar, The 15 Worst Security Mistakes. Which operational procedures pose the most risk to your staff? Do you have the skills and tools to detect security problems before issues arrive? This webinar distills hundreds of potential security mistakes into the 15 most noteworthy. Our speaker is Barry Thompson. He's an international speaker, trainer, consultant, and writer. He is a security and compliance guru for a leading national training organization and regularly presents security conferences for trade groups. He has trained over 51,000 financial professionals. Barry is recognized worldwide, presenting in Brussels, Belgium, to European bankers on internal fraud, at the United Nations on identity theft, and to Japanese bankers on bank security. Barry has worked in the financial services industry for over four decades and has held the positions of security officer, compliance officer, treasurer, senior vice president, and executive vice president. He has handled over 900 security cases and has been involved with investigations and prosecutions at the federal, state, and local levels. Barry is the author of 101 Security Tips for the Beginning Security Officer and has been interviewed by Newsweek, Computer World, USA Today, and other national publications. Always great to talk with Barry. He is truly an expert in this field. You can check out his website or his LinkedIn page in the podcast notes. But for now, we're going to jump right into the segment with Barry. All right. And with that, I'd like to welcome onto the podcast with us here today, Barry Thompson. He was the presenter uh, for our Risk Officer Series, the 15 Worst Security Mistakes. And we've got some feedback and some questions and some things that came up that we're going to cover with him on this Asked and Answered segment. But first, Barry, want to see how you're doing, how you're surviving out in this weird pandemic times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm having a good time with it because most of the time, uh, this time of year, I'm on an airplane somewhere uh, fighting with people sitting next to me and getting hotels and playing with dirty rooms or something else sometimes. So, yeah, the pandemic's been different. And we also had one interesting thing happen to us. We had one uh, meeting planner contact us and ask us for a listing of what they should do to check out their hotel rooms. So that's kind of new oh, for us. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a whole different, every, everything in life now has a little different lens we're all looking through. It's all very oh. odd, but, you know. We're doing it together. So to jump right in, um, I, I gave a little bit of context on what the was, was going to be covered in the webinar before we started here, but we did have some questions and feedback we wanted to run through with you about this topic, so I will jump right into that. And our first one, um, in the program uh, that we're discussing, the 15 worst security mistakes, you point out the need for night inspections. Uh, it seems not many financial, financial institutions do them. Why are they important? You know, one of the hardest things at my desk is when I get a telephone call from an attorney, and they will ask me questions about night inspections. And what I find is interesting is most people seldom go out and look at their banks at night. And if they did, they would find things like the lights are off, the timers are off, uh, so at this time of year, their lights are turning on, say, 10 o'clock at night. But when the time changes and they go back to 5 o'clock, they need them turned on. Nobody bothered to change the timers. I've had other people tell me that they have the electronic eyes and they can don't need to worry about it. We have found bird nests over the top of electronic eyes that burn out the uh, whole system. And we've also discovered that the criminal at night 
And what they're looking for is there a place like to mug somebody in the morning when they open, which just happened, by the way, in Wisconsin. Uh, we also will see them turning around and deciding this would be a great place to attack somebody at the ATM. And after that attack takes place, what's interesting is when the attorneys call, they want somebody to go out there and do an inspection immediately. This is before they even contact the financial institution to tell them, we're going to sue you. And I do know of one case where a person got stabbed with a uh, screwdriver. And by the time it was over, the bank had paid a million dollars for the incident. So night inspections are kind of important when something goes wrong. On these this topic of night inspections. Um, what are some of the problems you've discovered performing some of these night inspections? <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I got to tell you one, it's my favorite. Uh, I traveled uh, doing night inspections. We've done thousands of them. And I've traveled with a guy who's about 70 years old. His name was Everett. He'd been in the Navy. He was a very streetwise guy. And we pulled up into a city one night and it was about two o'clock in the morning to this ATM to do the inspection. Across the parking lot, from me were, uh, let's just say, two ladies of ill repute arguing with a gentleman. There was a guy in the drive up of the bank washing his car. And I said to Everett, maybe we should turn around and come back. He says, no, he said, they won't be paying any attention to us because uh, of the argument going across the parking lot. And he said, when you take your uh, camera out to film and start taking pictures of what's happening here, prove to the client what we need done. He says, I'm pretty sure the guy with the, the hose would get out of here, the washing the car. I had to laugh because when that guy saw my camera come out, he unhooked the hose from the bank's water supply. They had a little spigot outside. He threw the hose, all the water, right in the trunk of the car and drove out of there doing 90. So we get sometimes some unusual things where they said to me, don't go down there. Don't go near the ATM area after 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And I said to them, well, why not? And they said, well, the street people are out. You can really have a problem there. And I would look at them and I'd think to myself, well, if you've got a problem here, why would you even have the ATM there? And uh, this one night I, I go down uh, during the day to see this place where I've got to come back to. And they've got, you know, a pawn shop, check cashing facility, the whole routine. It's colder than heck. It's first day of really a bad day in fall. And Everett said to me at 2 o'clock in the morning, let's go down there and do that. I said, they told me not to go down there after 8 o'clock. He says, there's not going to be anybody out. He says, it's too cold. We drove down there, and sure enough, it was so cold, there was nobody out there, no street people or anything. And we drove by the local coffee shop, not arguing or causing trouble for law enforcement, but all the cruisers were out around the coffee shop. So we went down, checked the place out, and went back and had coffee, and the police told us how bad it was back there. So it was kind of a fun different thing. I, I want to keep it light, not some of the nasty things that we've seen, but that was kind of fun stuff we've seen. I, I would imagine. I, I was just waiting for that guy who was washing his car to be trying to do it in winter, but that might have been too far. <laughs> well, the bank was really surprised when they discovered somebody was using their water and they had the open there. And, you know, another time we uh, pulled up to one again, it was like one in the morning and it was filled with kids sitting there and it was raining that night. And I got out to talk to them a minute, and they all informed me that was the only place that they could do their skateboards and not get wet was under the bank's canopies. And uh, that's where they were. So the bank didn't even know they had skateboarders there when we were looking at it. Kind of fun. 
Definitely. That's a full service institution between, you know, car washes available, skate parks, all of the things. Um, do you ever have any problems with law enforcement stopping you at night when you're doing these inspections? <laughs> well, you know, I, I told you earlier, I've done thousands of them. I've only been stopped by law enforcement three times. Now, there's a reason for it. You, you only have to do it a little while before you learn. Most people, uh, the banks did not realize, credit unions don't realize. But they've invited people onto their property, and they're inviting them on all times of days and nights. They invite them on because they have ATM machines. They invite them on because they have night drops. But the police are tied up until the time that the bars or saloons, whatever you want to call it, close. So it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Between 2 and 4 in the morning is the other times that I've been stopped because they have time now to pay attention to why is somebody at the bank. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I stop night inspections, go back to the hotel and go to bed and come back out again at four o'clock if we have to, to finish up what we're doing. But I have seen myself, and it's kind of interesting. We come in with a camera, a tape measure, and uh, on a wheel, and a great big, uh, I best can call it, it's a bullet or a clipboard to take information. And we've walked right past police when we were going up to do that in the middle of the night. And they've just ignored us and kept going. And, you know, we've got to look unusual as we're going like that. And uh, that, that's where I learned that they came after me after 2 o'clock in the morning. They'd come back to those areas and look to where we were. So, interesting anyways. Absolutely. Uh, so, in this webinar, you make one point about financial institutions overlooking operational activities that are dangerous. Can you name a few of those? Unfortunately... I just got an email today that uh, one of their people had attended our courses, and we always tell people, do not service your ATMs on islands if you can have an armored car service do it for you. And the reason for it is people don't realize they're carrying uh, 50000 or 100000 to the parking lot, depending on how much they need to know at the ATM. And somebody sitting at the coffee shop across the street, somebody in a parking lot at a mall, can watch them, and we're in COVID now. And the temptation to attack is big. And we're seeing all sorts of robberies taking place now because people have face mask on, normally by people who are local, who are caught in case one just happened here locally. Uh, the guy robbed the institution at three o'clock. He was nice enough to look into one of those FDIC cameras that was at the teller window. And the pictures were so good that they had him arrested by nine o'clock. My wife, who's a probation officer, brought me a copy of the picture, pointed it out to me. It was on Facebook at that point. And I said to her, well, that guy will be caught by tomorrow morning. He was actually caught by nine. And because he was in New York State where they don't have bail, he was out on the street again by 11. So it's quite, a, quite an interesting thing. But to get back to the, uh, the operational problems, the institution that contacted me today they were being yelled at because it's going to cost them $35 to have the armored car carrier stop at their island ATM and replace the cash. But a lot of these institutions don't know how to transfer cash properly. And they will send somebody out there by themselves or two people and they go hand in hand out to the ATM to take care of the money. For a uh, robber, that means I only have to be by myself to get $100,000 worth of cash or $50,000, whatever they're carrying. And because they always do it at the same time every week, it's not hard to figure out when it's going to happen. So that's one operational 
thing that I can talk to you about. Uh, there are many more, and we watch when we're going and doing risk assessments, and we do reviews of these banks. We're always watching their people to see what they're doing. And uh, one that I got a kick out of was the night depository was wide open behind the telephone line. And I asked why. And they said, oh, when we have time during the day, we just go and take money out of it and process it. The only problem with doing that is they weren't thinking about internal theft and fraud from internal. So you don't want to tempt your people, and that's a good way to tempt them. So our recommendation was lock that thing up. So that's just some of the ones that we've run into. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. You know, crimes of opportunity seem to be one of the ones that you can overlook. You know, you'd think about someone coming in to rob a bank or a credit union, but sometimes it's just the wrong time and an ATM being cleared and someone's there. So, and you know, the biggest problem I have in teaching and training people is they have to learn to think like a criminal. And nobody wants to think that they're working next to an internal embezzler. But more importantly, after they go off, they've been around their facilities for a while. They don't look at them anymore as anything is just where I work. But to a criminal, that is the golden nugget. What can I get out of that? So when I walk up to look at a bank, my first thought is, how do I rob it? And that goes the same thing for a credit union. And uh, you can come up with a lot of different ways really quick. Absolutely. So another point that you make in this webinar is um, that you've seen that institutions have excluded risk management or security people from some of the different discussions that go on. The first one would be marketing strategies. Um, so what input could, you know, some of these security and risk management folks have in marketing strategy? I'll give you one example that I've absolutely loved. It's a little bit older, but it's perfect. The financial institution ran a marketing campaign. They wanted to generate more money in the loan department. They wanted to loan it. So they got with the advertising agency and they came up with the advertisement, take the money and run. And that's what they advertised, take the money and run. Law enforcement was all over the security officer immediately telling them that if they got robbed, they weren't going to let the poor guy alone. And his comments were, I, I didn't even know they were doing it. And the, uh, I remember at the time, the CEO didn't think it was anything to worry about. But it had law enforcement right on its toes. So they were market-driven. They weren't being balanced of what they were looking at. Another, um, another part of the institution that could be excluding risk management and security uh, comes down to site selection and building plans. What input do you think security could have in those areas? You know, one of the things that we do a lot of is reviewing plans for people. And they will send us, first they'll send us a, uh, will you look at our plan? And they send me a little email thing with a little two-by-two-inch floor plan. And we immediately tell them, we're not interested. We need a full set of plans. We need to look at or get involved before the architect gets close to doing their final plans. Why? I think... Again, another story. I'm sorry to hit you with another story, but several years ago, I had to do a review of an institution that was building a branch. And they, they called me in. They didn't tell me ahead of time until I got in front of them, the very signed contracts and CEO said, here's the plans. We'll show you where it's going to be built. We don't want you to make any changes. And I said to him, hold up. Why do you have me here if you don't want me to make any changes? Because I'm going to make changes. This isn't even a discussion I'm going to have with you. And the CEO said to me that uh, they had everything planned. 
they knew where they were going to put it. It was kind of a historic neighborhood. And I went down to look at the plans and I went to see the site. And they really didn't seem to think that I knew too much about what I was talking about there at first. And I looked at their plans and they had two sets of doors, actually three entries into this bank. When you go from one entry to two entries, you increase your possibility of robbery by 50%. So consequently, they had three. But one just went out into a main street in this town. It was a very big metropolis area. And I'm looking at it. And as you come through the front doors, behind a little alcove to your left, they had an ATM that you couldn't see the person at the ATM. And I told them, you can't do that. You've got to turn the ATM so people can see who's back there. It's just a great place to get caught. And we found several other things, like the doors that they were using for people to enter and exit. They actually put employee entrance on it, which is X marks the spot you're going to get robbed or something will happen at that door. Or a penetration testing from a computer company will come through that door. But they didn't make any of the changes. I gave them the my report. About two years ago, I had to go to that city. Strangely enough, uh, I had an appointment down the street from there, and I pulled up and parked to look at this thing. First thing I discovered was the two entry doors that I didn't want them to have on the main street were locked shut. You couldn't enter. You could see they'd had to take the ATM out, and they had guards in their parking lots to protect people coming in and going out. So you bring risk management in before you start this stuff. You don't have a hidden ATM. You don't have blocked doors where people can't uh, see what's going on outside of them. There's all sorts of problems, and we see it with pod branches in particular. Pod branches, people seem to think you just slap that pod anywhere as you want to. Uh, no. You've got to put them so they're facing the front doors so that the person coming in knows exactly where to go. Right down to the way they make the pods, uh, if you take a room which has got one color, that's wonderful. But if you think of Disney and how they get people to go places, wherever you want the people to go, make your carpet, make your tile a different color so that they know where they're supposed to walk. They'll do it automatically. So a lot of these things, the architects would need a thing called a certification called crime prevention through environmental design or septed. If they don't have that, you better be talking to your security person because they learn that when they go to our security classes and what you should be looking for. Sorry, such a long-winded answer to your question on that one. No, but, that's uh, great. That is excellent. And, you know, I think that's one thing I see of the value of a webinar like this too. You know, looking, we can learn a lot from our mistakes. I think we all know that in our lives. And you have been out there and you have seen a lot of them, Barry. So that's, uh, you can bring a lot of this insight to us. Um, just to give a little bit of more information about this webinar, um, we kind of have who should attend. This is great for security officers, risk management professionals, internal auditors, anyone in operations management. And, you know, having some of looking back at mistakes that others have made is one of the best ways that we can avoid them ourselves. So uh, we'll have, of course, links that you can get to this in the notes for today's podcast. So Barry, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. I always love doing production on any of your webinars. It's very interesting to listen to. Uh, I don't come from a financial background, but you know everybody likes a good story and you are very good at that and give a lot of great info to our uh, financial institutions. So thank you. I want to thank you so much for uh, inviting me today to be on the podcast with you. And it's always fun to talk about the stuff that we do every day. Thank you. 
And thanks again to Barry Thompson. We loved having him on the podcast today. For all of you, you can use the coupon 15mistakes for 15% off this 15 Worst Security Mistakes webinar. Again, that coupon is 15mistakes. That will be in the notes of the podcast as well. Be sure to follow us on this podcast. You can find us on LinkedIn and Facebook, and we'll be back with our next episode soon. I'd like to thank our state association partners, our outstanding presenters, and you, the listener. Thanks for all that you do. Be safe, take care, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.